Welcome to What's Next, Cornet Global's podcast that puts members on the microphone with thought-provoking, profession-shaping conversations and commentary. Hi, this is Tim Venable of Cornet Global. Joining me for this edition of What's Next is Bill Ferguson, Chairman and Chief Executive Officer at Ferguson Partners based in Chicago. He's here to talk with us about the defining qualities of leadership through crisis, and he'll be drawing extensively from the key findings of his latest book, The Test is Now Upon Us. Thanks for being here, Bill, and if you would, please introduce yourself a little further. Well, Tim, uh, thank you very much for having me, and um, kudos to you and all Cornet does for the uh, really the global benefit of the corporate real estate community. You guys have done a wonderful job for sure. Ferguson Partners, by way of background, is a firm that I started 32 years ago. We are a global talent management firm and have offices in, in Europe, Asia, and in North America. So that's a little bit about the firm. I spend most of my time uh, focused on our board recruiting and assessment activity, as well as our CEO succession work. So very pleased and honored to be a guest on your program. Great. Now let's start with this question. What drove you to write your latest book? Well, good question, Tim. It's my fifth and probably my capstone achievement. And uh, as a frame of reference, and your audience will appreciate this because they're in the real estate business, but if you include both the single family and commercial real estate industries. Our industry is the largest industry in the U.S. and the largest industry in the world, uh, whether you look at employment, tax dollars paid, and so forth. And, and very few people really appreciate that. So uh, that's an important frame of reference and a context going forward. You know, what's interesting about the business, and I've been in it for about 40 years now, is it's been a great incubator to study this whole issue of leadership because the industry has gone from basically a regional to global. It's gone from entrepreneurial to institutional, and it's gone from private to public. And so it's been interesting how a lot of leaders in our business, most of them start as deal makers, and there are very, it's a very select number of people who ultimately rise to run an organization. And lastly, I would say we're really at an inflection point as it relates to leadership. You know, the baby boomers, including yours truly, are segueing out of their leadership roles, and the next generation is coming into the leadership of their companies. So it's a very opportune time to really talk about this issue of leadership as this new generation comes in to run real estate companies of all kinds, whether it's corporate real estate organizations or REITs or home builders or the like. And I would say that clearly, you know, situations like the pandemic, where you really do have crisis, test leadership more than any other point. So this has really been a very interesting time over the last 14 months to see how leaders have responded and how they have nurtured their organizations through, you know, 14 months of crisis. Exactly. Perfect timing. Now, I'd like to get your thinking on, on this, Bill. How are the real estate industry's leaders similar 
or maybe different from other global leaders across other kinds of businesses, government, the military, politics, science. What are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, the the industry, Tim, and I'm sure you've seen this through your, you know, your dealings with Cornette. You know, I, I think the industry really doesn't respect maybe as much the leaders that have risen to the occasion in our industry, because once again, you know, we're known as an industry of deal makers and you know, can we really run global businesses, you know, public businesses like, for instance, Hamid Moganam does at, at Prologis. So I was very interested to study the leaders across all industries. And we looked at people like uh, Steve Jobs, Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, Elon Musk, and, and really tried to understand from a leadership perspective what, you know, really made them successful. And then we overlaid the traits of a lot of the leaders in our industry, whether it's Sam Zell or John Gray at Blackstone or Bill Marriott, whoever it might be. And interestingly enough, the same leadership attributes came up across both real estate and and non-real estate entities. And that was very gratifying, I think, for me to appreciate and what all of the leaders in our industry should embrace because, you know, we really have done a terrific job over the last 40 years of building and running these businesses successfully. Okay. Well, that's a nice segue, Bill, to my next question, which is what are the common leadership traits highlighted in the book and how should they factor into a company's succession planning approach? Well, you know, what's interesting, Tim, and I didn't expect to find this, but the common theme among the people that I had interviewed and studied over the course of my career, and then when I researched a lot of leaders outside of real estate, is, you know, in, in one phrase, it's really all about the people. And it's about the people that you recruit, the people you mentor, and the people ultimately you delegate to who run the business. And, you know, we're in an industry of cap rates and markets and leverage and so forth. And everybody thinks about the numbers. But the reality is, as companies grow in size, it really is all about the people and the culture that, that drives the platform. And I would say there are a couple of interesting uh, leadership points in particular that arose both in the research we did in the industry as well as outside. And you know, the first attribute that seemed to be common uh, was this whole issue of integrity. And, you know, you take a John Gray, who really built the the real estate business at Blackstone from scratch, and is now the chief operating officer at Blackstone, has risen above the real estate business, and by all accounts is going to be Steve Schwartzman's replacement as CEO of the entire company. And what you learn about John Gray, who's profiled in the book, is, you know, he's got this fundamental belief uh, that you treat people as you want to be treated. And whether that's investors, uh, whether that's assets that he buys from another company, uh, whether it's the people who, in essence, manage the properties, you know, he's got this fundamental tenant, and it is all about integrity, that you want to treat people uh, with respect, and you want to treat them as you want to be treated yourself. You know, the, the second leadership attribute, which came about uh, time and time again, both in our industry and outside, is this whole issue of passion. You know, you look at Bill Marriott, for example, who was the founder early on of Marriott Corp. And 
what was interesting was that Bill traveled and probably went on site to a couple hundred hotels a year. And he wasn't doing it to spot check, but he was really going on premise to kind of understand what the consumers were thinking, you know, what Marriott could do differently, how they could stay ahead of the trends. And he loved it. And he had a passion for the business. And he did this year in and year out and really, really made a difference in the consistency and quality of service that Marriott today, you know, in essence, kind of delivers for its customers. I would say the third attribute that came out time and again is this whole innovation, this concept of innovation. And these CEOs are not only innovators, but they love to learn. I mean, if you look at Bob Johnson, who has been involved in a number of businesses, but he started Black Entertainment Television. And here's a guy who had taken a concept and in essence executed it, and it's now a multi-billion dollar business. And it was just a concept of here, here's a need, here's an opportunity, and I'm going to step out and try something. And, and it, it's worked brilliantly. So kudos to Bob for you know, doing something that nobody else had really thought about taking the risk and ultimately building a very successful business. And the final leadership attribute I talked about, uh, which we saw in and outside the book, is this whole concept of being an independent thinker, almost to the point of being controversial. And the person in our industry that comes out as a prototype in this whole concept, Tim, is Sam Zell. I mean, Sam Zell is affectionately known as the grave dancer. And here's a guy who had the gumption to buy assets when an industry is basically in the trough. And he was really the first person to start off this whole uh, wave of REIT securitization. So, you know, whether it was equity office properties, equity residential, equity lifestyle, he really appreciated that this was going to become an institutional business. And he took these various companies public and put great management teams in place. He put great boards in place. He understood the importance of being accountable and attributable to investors. And he started a wave that, you know, we now have over 150 REITs in the industry, many of whom are well over $20 billion in market cap and are global. So here's a person who went right when everybody was going left, and he's been awarded or rewarded, I should say, handsomely, both financially and reputationally, as somebody who really took a step out on his own and became very successful as a result. Okay, Bill, those are great examples of business leaders we all respect, and those leadership traits make all the sense in the world to me. That's fantastic. With MRI, you can bring people back to the office in a way that suits their needs and the needs of the business. Create a safe, flexible, and productive work environment with space planning and reservation tools that empower employees to make optimal use of your workplace. Control the flow of employees and visitors in and out of the office with solutions that give you a full view of who's on site and who's working remotely. Leverage technology to evaluate usage and business demand, optimizing your space and plan for the office of the future. Now, my next question is this, what was the most surprising takeaway from your leadership research? Something that really surprised you and is there a, is there a most typical mistake that many leaders make? Yeah, it gets back to my comment, Tim, on this concept of it's all about the people. 
And what you find in all leaders in our industry and outside is they really believe in this concept of empowering people. So, you know, they, they obviously hire the right people, they develop the right culture, and in essence, they kind of mentor those people, but they empower the people to take responsibility for the businesses, and they don't micromanage them. They give them enough rope to be successful. They're there when people have questions, but I never really appreciated how important a driver this was uh, to the great leaders across all industries, including ours. I would say probably the biggest mistake that leaders make, and this probably happens more in public companies than private companies, which you know is relevant to your membership base because they many of them work for public companies, is thinking too short term, is thinking about quarter to quarter performance, not investing in their businesses, not investing in their assets, not investing in their people uh, to try to make sure they manage the cost line and in essence, drive quarter to quarter profits. Well, if you don't invest in a business longer term, you know, as you well know, it's hard to have a sustainable business. So I think it's tough, but you really have to balance short-term performance with long-term investment. And you just got to make sure you're not thinking too short-term because inevitably businesses suffer as a result. Exactly. Okay. And now for my, my last question, it's actually three questions that are, that are related. First, how did the great leaders respond during COVID in terms of mental health, managing culture, business execution and communication? So that's one question. Second one is, how will they lead differently in the future, if, if they will? And then the last one is, and has ESG become more of a focus over the course of the pandemic? Well, with, with the first question, Tim, as, as far as how you know, leaders responded to the pandemic, this really differentiated between those great leaders and the ones who struggled through the pandemic. And you know, I would generally say that for the early period, the first nine months of the pandemic, it was all about the health and well-being of their people. And you know, what the great leaders did was they leveraged technology clearly as people were working remotely and they, they over-communicated. And we're a case in point, and I, I really give credit to our global leadership team. But I can honestly tell you today, Tim, that post the pandemic, we are closer as a group of people than we were before the pandemic. And it's all, once again, attributed to our leadership team, but they went out of their way to communicate kind of how the firm was performing, what they could do to help our clients. And, and they, they did fun stuff. I mean, whoever would have thought that you could have a Halloween party by Zoom or you could have a cocktail party by Zoom. And, and so we worked hard to communicate to help each other. We worked hard to communicate to help our clients. And we had fun. It's an extraordinary circumstance that I never would have guessed for our organization quite honestly, no less the, the organizations who are clients and are close to our firm, for sure. As far as how the pandemic will, in essence, kind of teach leaders to lead differently, yeah, I, I think the great leaders uh, now understand that they have to bring to leadership some uh, sense of uh, what I would call flexibility. 
I think a lot of organizations, including ours, as the vaccines came online, we started to notice issues around culture, around communication, as far as business execution. And I think what we've decided is that people do need to come back to work. We do need to get people back face-to-face and, in essence, kind of driving the culture, which differentiates, I think, great companies. On the other hand, I still think we have to have some flexibility in the system. So we, for example, after Labor Day, are going to ask people to come back to work three days a week. But those other two days, we're going to allow them to be flexible. So if they want to work at home, they can do that and, and so forth. So and I think that's important. I think about my wonderful partner, uh, Kim Chanteloy, who, you know, she commutes three hours a day into downtown Chicago. And she now has a routine where she goes out to the barn with her daughter to, in essence, attend her horseback riding lessons. That's important. And exactly. if, she, if she works at home, she can go ahead and leave the house at five o'clock. She's absolutely as productive from home as she is from the office. And it allows her to keep a special bond with her family and with her daughter. And I'm, I'm totally supportive of that. So I think flexibility is going to be key to great leaders as they continue to run their organizations. And your last question around ESG, yeah, I, I think the, the pandemic and some of what's happened during the pandemic, such as George Floyd and BLM, has really kind of enhanced investors' view of ESG. And clearly, the environmental piece continues to be important, clearly for all of your members, as you know, corporate facilities can make a big difference. Uh, relative to their carbon footprint and what we can do globally to acknowledge what's going on there. I think the S, clearly this whole issue of recruiting ethnic diversity to all levels of companies from entry level right up to the board has become a hot point for firms like BlackRock, for Fidelity, for State Street. And they've come out and said so much. And it's they're, and they're making it, you know, they're making it matter relative to companies that they invest in. And the whole issue of governance, once again, really starts with the board and starts with the leadership team. Because if you don't walk the talk, ESG is not going to have the impact what investors ultimately want it to have. So I think that the pandemic and and I give kudos to the investors have really stepped up in what's happened over the last 14 months. And it's only accelerated the focus on ESG. And I think it's good for the, I think it's good for the world. It's good for society. And I think we're just seeing more and more momentum behind it. Excellent. Well, Bill, it's been great talking with you. And I want to thank you for sharing all these wonderful uh, insights with, with Cornet Global. And congratulations on your book, by the way. Before we go, I did want to ask one last question. How can our listeners get a copy of that new book? Well, Tim, it's available on Amazon for sure. And the one thing I, I did want to say is that all the proceeds, all the proceeds that are coming from the sale of the book are going to an organization, Tim, in your hometown in Atlanta. And the organization is called LEAD, L-E-A-D. And everybody should Google it who listens to this podcast because LEAD is really all about helping underprivileged youth 
in essence, get a good undergraduate education and then ultimately find employment. And so they, they are an inspiration getting back to ESG and specifically to the S of what our firm believes in and clearly I think where investors want the world to go. So anybody who buys a copy of the book, hopefully it will be an interesting study in global leadership, but do know that every dime of, of the, the money that are used to purchase the book is going directly to lead. And we feel very blessed